Welcome to Internet Marketing for Humans, digestible internet marketing insight and advice to help you grow your business. Hello and welcome back to Internet Marketing for Humans. I'm your host, Andrew Laws of Andrew Laws Associates. And as you know, if you've listened before, I like to kind of bring interesting people in to speak to, and I find these people in a number of different ways. And recently I've been going to some Action Coach events I found them really useful and the guy who kind of got me interested in them is a, a, a career coach called Nick Gray. So I have Nick Gray here with me just to chat about something I think is really important with not just in business but in internet marketing. So before I go rabbiting on Nick, would you like to introduce yourself? Did I get your, your job title correct there? My job title? Do you well, have a job title? Do or I you have a job title? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I think it's a mindset about what your job title is, especially in, in business. So, for instance, if, you're, if you've got your own plumbing business and you call yourself a plumber, are you, set, are you restricting the size of your business because of what you're calling yourself? And should you call yourself a business owner? But yeah, I'm a that's, business. A, that's a good start, kind of, kind of giving some good value right, right off the bat there. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I, I'm a business coach. Okay. Yeah, so I, I work with businesses of any shape and size to help them get what they want, really, whether that's more time in their life more productivity from their team or basically making more money. Okay, cool. So if you're listening at home, you can probably, uh, or wherever you might be, probably see why why I kind of fell into this world because it's an opportunity to, to get a bit of guidance. But also one of the things I've really enjoyed about being a part of the Action Coach events is just having time to pause and think and try, try and see the bigger picture. And it's a bigger picture thing that I brought Nick along to talk about today. And would you like to introduce what we're going to talk about, Nick? Yes, of course. Planning, no, no, or goal setting. <laughs> I've thrown a Freudian slip there, I guess. But I'm, it's a big part of goal setting is, is the planning. Hmm. So you, you asked me to talk about goals and goal setting. I think Eisenhower said once that plans don't survive contact with the enemy. And if we put them in the same bucket, if you like, plans and, and goal setting uh, it's it's really often setting a plan it's not the plan that's the important part it's the thinking and it's doing the planning that's the most mm. important part and the, the, the thoughts that go through your minds and the different processes you go and the different opportunities you find by just doing that that planning process which no doubt you've you've come across because you've been to some of our planning events uh, and also just in the in the course of of kind of my daily my daily work we were talking before I kind of set up the microphones and hit record about how internet marketing one of the challenges we have is that people come along and say I want some marketing and the first question we ask is why you know what is it you want to achieve and it's in those conversations of kind of plotting out what what we're going to call success and what we're going to call um <laughs> a point at which still needs room for improvement. It's that goal setting that, that is crucial to good internet marketing, which is why I thought it'd be something interesting for us to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're talking about there is having a, a marketing plan hmm. uh, around the business and, and looking in a bit more detail about what are the, the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities and the threats of the business currently and uh, what do we want to achieve? And that leads us on nicely to, to goal setting. Smoothly done, okay. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I think interesting place to start with, with goal setting is around the reticular activating system, straight in with something. Wow. What is that? Uh, it's not as, 
as complex as it sounds, but it's basically just a small part of your brain at the base of your of your, your brain, a walnut-sized part of your brain, which for short we call the RAS. And it's really your filter for getting what you want or doing what you want. Your brain will run images through the RAS for you to do something. So if you want to walk, your brain will put a, an image through your, your reticular activating system and it will help you to walk. But why it's important is because when we want to have something, the, the RAS can really help us find what we want to get. I'll give you an example of RAS in, in, in action, if you like. If, if you think about a, a busy train station, Euston train station, where there's thousands of people milling around and a mother's there and she's all of a sudden lost her, her five-year-old daughter and she can't find her anywhere and she's all this noise and buffle mm. going everywhere and all of a sudden she can hear the word mum across all this noise because she's super focused on on her, her daughter's voice. Another instance is when you bought a new car. You bought a, I know that great red fiesta that you've been saving up for. Oh, yes, the red fiesta. <laughs> and all of a sudden you start seeing red fiestas everywhere. So the reason why it's important is because your brain will find you opportunities, your subconscious brain will find you opportunities to find what you want. Mm. So I obviously when you're thinking about red fiesta, your brain shows you red fiestas everywhere. They were always there. Mm. It's just you hadn't been paying attention to them. And so when you get clarity on what you want then your brain will, your subconscious brain will find you opportunities to get there. Opportunities that aren't always relevant or seen by your conscious mind. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense to me. I did some work a few months back with um, a hypnotherapist and she was describing, not, not really the same thing, but she, she was describing consciousness as the bit that's the noise in your head that you hear, your, your own voice is the tip of the iceberg, whereas your subconscious that does all the clever stuff is the huge, massive bit that's, that's underneath the water. So she was explaining hypnotherapy as something that just gets the tip of the iceberg to shut up for a little while, <laughs> basically. Get out, get out of your own way. Yeah, yeah get, get out of your own way. So I, I can see that, yeah, the, the reticular kind of thing, is it makes total sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. And we could engage that even more with things like, well, attaching emotions to a goal. So uh, let's say that, well, maybe have you heard of dream charts? No. So where you have a say a large bit of card and you cut out lots of nice pictures of things that you want, mm. things that you ideally like to do. So it might be things that you want, materialistic things, but also experiences you want to have or the person that you want to be, that sort of stuff. But the, the important thing is that you can have it big and large and colourful in front so of you. So an actual physical thing. We're not talking yes. metaphorically here. No, no, an it? actual physical thing that you can see. You know, I've got mine in front of my, on my, my desk so I can see it every day. And there was a, there's a, there's a film called the, the Law of Attraction. It's a book as well. And the premise is, is that you think hard enough and you focus hard enough and you can get something. There's a bit more to it than that. You need to work hard as well. They, don't, mm. they forget to mention that in the film. But there's a, a, a story of this guy who's in his house in Malibu. They've just moved in, massive great house. And he's sitting in his office and all these boxes everywhere. And his son comes in and starts playing on one of the boxes. And he's playing around and the, the guy looks up and he sees a guy, his son's got something in his hand and it's 
one of his dream charts. And he walks over and looks at it, and he starts to shed a tear because in this dream shot that's been in this box for years is a picture of this house in Malibu that they're currently just moved oh, into. Right. So it's somewhere on the line, it's been embedded in his brain about this house. Hmm. He's long since forgotten about it, but the subconscious mind was continually thinking about it and led him to that house. Nice. So it's, a, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, kind of... Yeah, ju- just as a subject, kind of almost in its own right, the power of the kind of subconscious mind. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, that's good. So th- that's a good start. So w- what can we do with that? What can we do with that? I think before we, we turned the mics on, we were talking about the importance of goals. And let's look at that. Why, why are goals important? Well, in, if, you don't, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? And if people around you don't know where you're going, how are they going to help you get there? And more importantly, if the team around you or people who work for you don't know where you're going, how are they going to help you get there? So, that's interesting. So the people around you, I can see kind of your staff team, uh, you know, if, if you have one, you know, desperately important. But, but a lot of my clients, for example, are lone rangers, I was going to say. That's probably not, not being, that's not quite what I mean. Was they don't have large staff teams, but it made me think about kind of your family's reaction or mm. your friends or just just this, we all pull this bubble of people towards us all the time. They tend to be the people we like. But I'm kind of wondering if sometimes that can be a bit safe. It can be safe. It can also be negative as well. If we think about a real important thing around you is your environment. I mean, Jim Rohn said that your bank balance will be the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you think about your environment, it could be people, it could be what you watch, could be you know, things like watching the news is pretty negative. Mm. But if we stick with people, if the people around you are, okay, let's not say negative, but if they're not forward thinking, if they're just keeping you to within their reality, which is, no, you can't try that. If you come up with a new idea, you can't try that. That won't work. Mm. If everyone around you is saying that, then what's the likelihood of you really pushing forward? Whereas on the other hand, if they're really supportive and saying, yeah, go for it, that's a fantastic idea, how much further would you go? So, yeah, you're right. The people around you are important, whether it's your team at work or whether it's your family and friends. Often when we talk about, I talk about that about who are the people around you who are the most influenced to you? The negative ones, people often say, are, the, are your family. Mm-hmm. You can do very little about. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, your environment's really important and surrounding, you by, surrounding yourself with people that you want to be like is another great idea. Mm. If you surround yourself with people who you aspire to be like, then that's going to drive you forward. It's, it, yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, one of the best things I ever did was I spent several years spending several hours a week sat in the office of a, a managing director. It was a client, but just sitting in the office for, I did it for years and years. I learned so much just by kind of almost ob- as osmosis. If I'd have asked this guy, teach me how you're running this incredibly successful company, for one thing, he'd probably say, I haven't got time <laughs> or something. But just soaking that up was an incredibly kind of positive experience. Absolutely. And it's, um, 
it could just be subtle things, like you said, osmosis mm. of, of, often. It can be just their, their behaviour, the way they react to certain things, the positivity, their attitude, all these things soak into you and, you and you naturally take those on board. Now, this is one of those things we're talking about it like it's a very simple thing to do. Oh, just, just hang around with more inspiring people. But is there, a, have you got any recommendations for how to sort of build that? I'm going to say the world network, which is probably going to give away where this might be going. It's again, set, if you set your, your RAS again, I'll come back to that, but if you, you set your RAS on what you want, you'll find that. So if you set, your, you set, set in your mind, so that, what I'm talking about here is setting an outcome, and this is true for whatever you want to do. So if you're having a meeting with somebody and you've got a, you know, you're meeting a, a prospective client and you set your mind, the outcome is going to be positive for both of you, then that's much more likely to happen if you visualise that happening. And so same with anything. If you want to meet different people, people like who you want to be like, then they will they will appear. You you need to do some work on it as well. Um, and and you know and maybe some of the things you could do are you know what could you think of joining networking groups is not a bad idea, which is what you're alluding to. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite I'm quite open and honest with with anyone I work with. And for years, I thought the kind of the positive sort of not affirmation but the positive way of thinking i just thought it i thought it was a load of hippie crap i just thought no that's complete nonsense you know you're not going to change the world just by trying to see it in a better way but my god i was wrong because the decisions you just personally the decisions you make when you're presented with opportunities a really basic one um i was asked a few years ago i was asked to speak at an event and my first reaction was hell no there is no way i'm going to get up in front of people I don't know and try and count, you know, pass myself off as an expert. But instead of doing that, I thought, no, you know, don't be negative. Kind of think, try and think about these things positively. I think I've got three clients from that one event who are still with me now, and this was years ago. And what, so, what would have happened if the people around you had contributed to that negative, yeah, you're right, that's probably not a great idea. On your own, you were able to, to turn it around and think positively, and you went and did it. Mm. It wouldn't have perhaps taken much... For somebody else oh, to if me, with if you. me mum had said, "Oh, you don't want to do that," you, you don't, don't, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it probably would have been a harder decision to make. But yeah, you kind of now, these days, I sort of see see gathering positive people around me as almost like of taking vitamins or like a, a fitness regime. Kind of the more people you can gather, the stronger you become. And it's not a selfish thing. Well, I don't see it as a selfish. It's not a take thing, in in my opinion, because. When I've gathered people around me, and this includes the freelancer I work with, so hello to you guys, you know, it's, it's, it's a two-way street, and we all kind of support each other. I think the word that springs to mind for me is abundance. Mm. And even if, if you're, you're wanting to go and learn from someone like that managing director that you spent time with, he's, you find successful people are very abundant and they want to share hmm. and they want to help others to, to do that not everybody wants to learn to do that so that's why they don't get the benefit of it but if you seek out these people they will want to share what they've learned cool oh, i can i can t attest to that for absolute definite cool what's next i think it's important with goals to understand that there's three basic types of goals so on a fundamental level, we will, we will set away from goals. What do you think I mean by that? Well, things you don't want to achieve or...? Things you don't want, not what you don't want to achieve, things you don't want anymore. 
Okay. So, for instance, you might start off thinking, I don't want to be driving an old banger like that, or I don't want to have to be chased by bills, or I don't want the, the, the bailiff coming around anymore. I'm fed up. Oh, with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, the, but these are, this is very real to a lot of people, you know, having things that aren't good in their life, and they don't want that anymore. And the, that's okay, and it can be really powerful. If, if you think, let's say, for instance... You've got one person who wants to get £10,000 for that new car. And on the other hand, you've got somebody who needs to get £10,000 because they just had a, a VAT bill come in. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is going to be more motivated? <laughs> Probably <laughs> the guy who's got the VAT bill. Yeah. So they can be powerfully motivating. The, the downside is that they'll only get you so far. They'll get you to... So if you don't want to be driving that car anymore, they'll get you to... So you're not driving that car anymore, mm. or if you're not having that bad experience. So to really take you further, the next set of goals are positive goals, and that's towards goals. So mm. I want to do this. I want to be. I want to work in a, a nice office like Andrew's working hey. in just now. <laughs> <laughs> or I want to have this holiday. Or I want to have this partner. These are positive goals. This is what you you're aiming to achieve. And the other good thing about positive, well, the bad thing about negative goals, if you like, is your brain doesn't recognise what negative words. So if I say to you, don't think about this red pen, hmm. all you're thinking about is this red pen. Apart from if you can't see this red pen, and I suppose... It's the theatre of the mind, Nick. The theatre of the mind, yeah. <laughs> So your brain doesn't recognise the difference between real and fake. So another way of thinking about it is if if you're thinking about that gorgeous creamy donut with the sprinkles on top that's glazed and really sugary, your mouth almost starts to water when you Mm -hmm. think about it, but it's not there. So your brain doesn't know real and, and fiction. So when we're saying, I don't want this bad thing to happen or I don't want to be driving that car anymore I don't want to be chased by the um, the bailiffs anymore or, or I don't want to be living in this house anymore whatever it is your brain doesn't see the word don't does that make sense it's mm. just thinking about that negative thing yeah so that's there's a danger there when you're thinking about negative things because you're just focusing on that negative thing um, much like when you say when you're negatively affirming, you wake up in the morning and say, I'm really tired. Mm. Your brain's just thinking, I'm tired. Yeah. So positive goals are a lot, a lot better. They'll get you further. The third set of goals is bigger than you, almost uh, a legacy. So it's once you've achieved, you know, you've moved away from the negative things, you've moved forward towards what you want. And the third second set of goals are the, the things that are bigger than you. So it might be that you want to give to a charity. You might want to, to, to create something for the, the community. They might, they're bigger than you and it's almost going to leave a legacy behind after you've mm. gone. So they're the three main sets of goals. Um, which of those do you think that you, you relate to m- most? I'm a, a cheerleader, so I'll always, I'd like to think I'll always relate to the, the most positive Kind of, kind of goals, but the reality is that, that I have to fight for them because I think that there's a lot around us, and I'm not going to go too off piece, but I think it starts in the school system where you, you're prepared to accept failure from quite a young age. Um, and I mean, I was wickedly young for my year because I'm born in June, 
and my daughter's born in September, and I can see a massive difference already that, that because she's the oldest in the year, whereas I was the youngest, so it was always like, oh, I'm never going to be as good as those kids. Even though kind of the next year I was that age and there was somebody else. So, so I'd, no, I'd, I'd like to think positive, but I can see the influence over the years of, of where the negative goal setting has been. It's, well, we're, we're surrounded by, by, by negativity, positivity mm. and negativity. I mean, we're made up of positive and negative parts of the atom, aren't we? So they're equal parts. But it does, it's surprising how powerful the negative side can be. I think it's because it's easier to believe <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Well, especially when you say we're going off piece a bit, but so <laughs> when you think about the news I mentioned earlier, that's one thing that I avoid is the news. Yes, yeah, there's certain things that you do need to know. But watching the news and the sensationalism just to make bad news to sell newspapers mm. and, and telly, it's, it just doesn't do you. There's nothing you can do about it. And there's, No, I very much agree, and it's, it's through a filter. I think it's important for, for everyone to realise that anything you receive through the media, and especially through social media, there's a filter that hasn't been set by you. Yeah. So with any news outlet, sensationalism sells, negativity sells. But on the other side, if, if you kind of um, read a lot of positivity blogs or sort of uh, you know, uh, cognitive behavioural kind of science blogs, they're on an extremely positive filter as well. So it's not just the negatives that, that I think, honestly, you have to be wary of, just sort of a nod to them and sort of go, OK, well, I see what that is. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> you've taken me on to another point now, which is... It sounded like what you're talking about was meditation, where you 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 just you recognise these thoughts. So mm. whether it's positive or, or negative, you have the power with meditation to be able to say, "Yeah, okay, I can see that," and not let it take hold of you. Mm. Because I mean, we are going to separate train of thought now, but that negativity, if you're not conscious of it, just leads onto another thought. So I'll give you a, a for instance: when you're walking down the street and you see somebody on the other side of the road and you wave at them, it's a friend of yours, and they completely ignore you. You know, you can choose to walk past and go, well, that's really rude. Mm. I wonder why he doesn't like me. And you think back to when the last time you saw him, you think, do you reckon it's because I said that and he didn't like that? And you, before oh, you know God, it, the you, spiral. You, you, yeah, the spiral <laughs> just goes worse and worse and worse. Or you could just say, well, what's really like to happen? Maybe he didn't see me. Yeah. Maybe I should pick up the phone and ask him. Especially if you spot they weren't wearing glasses. <laughs> you know. wearing <laughs> they normally glasses. do. So, but this, this is something that's, that just goes on and on and on. Um, and, and builds that negativity, which is yeah, really interesting. Yeah, cool. Good point. So well, I think we're rocketing along here. We seem to be covering a lot of ground fairly quick. So, Should we slow down and talk about the cricket? Oh, do you know, I was wondering if you might follow the cricket, and, and I haven't since I was a teenager. <laughs> I can't even remember. I couldn't name a player, I don't think. I you couldn't name a, couldn't name a team. Well, is I couldn't it name a team. Oh, yeah, there's, I, they don't even wear white. Do they still wear all white? They do, yeah, in, in the test matches. Oh, the test matches. And they have the one they do in the pyjamas, which is the, yeah, that's it. the 20s, is it? 2020. 2020. Okay, well, no more than I thought I did. And guess what? They have goals as well. well this, this is one of the things that's really interesting. We're sort of talking about sport. A really interesting team uh, was Team Sky, now Team Ineos. And Dave Browsford, when he, when he became a coach or captain or boss, I can't remember what his title is, one of the minimal, um, what's the word? Minimal gains. Marginal gains. Marginal gains. One of the marginal gains was was related to thinking, how the riders think. Was it? Were on the bike. I bet it's one of many, many things. But it's got to be a positive thing. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of cycling over the years. And the toughest point, if you're doing like 150 miles, 
the toughest point comes when you think, why am I doing this? <laughs> and at which point it becomes very, very difficult. Whereas if you're riding with a big pack of friends, it doesn't matter physically how tired you are, a big pack of friends, if everyone's enjoying it, you kind of get to the end and you kind of go, oh, yeah, that, that's, that was done, that, that's finished. Yeah, and that's... It makes me think of that SAS program uh, that was on Channel 4 recently where they have a bunch of people and to put them through the SAS training. And, and the people that, that, that run that, the SAS guys, they very much talk about the brain. Your body can do a hell of a lot more than you think it can. Mm. And, I, and that's something I've come to realise now if I'm working at the gym or doing some training, that I could go a lot further than my brain is telling me. When my brain's telling me to stop, I could keep going. Mm. You know, I probably do stop way too soon. I find the older I get, the, the margin between the two points is getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right. I think keep, keeping that positivity in, in your brain, um, you know, we, we seem to be just pushing that point. It's such a massive thing. If, if, you, if you haven't got it right between your ears, then, well, that, well, Getting your mindset right is, is a massive thing. And you mentioned about the iceberg earlier on, mm. the, the, per, the identity iceberg, if you like, and what people don't see below the water surface. So your skills, your beliefs, your values, your identity, they are the, the real driving force to get you to where you want to get to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, for me, this, this goes far beyond business. This is kind of everything. I mean, I've, I've worked for myself for 20 years, so I don't, I've never had a real clear line between what is work and, and what is not work. They're not two separate things. But I think I've, that's probably the same for most people, I guess. Well, we're talking, that moves us on to that subject about the work-life balance, isn't it? And I think when you think of them as separate things, then it can be difficult. If you can see them as one, and people who do see them as one have a perhaps a better balance. So that's really interesting. I always kind of assumed that it would be the other way around, that it would be if you could shut this thing off in a box. But I like what I do. Mm. I've got no interest. It's not like I'm I am not going to... I was about to name a job. I'm not going to name any job. But it's not like, okay, I, I can make this more more about me without damning anyone. When I, when I um, left college, I had a job with an agency filling sandbags. I think there must have been a flood around here. We're in the UK near Suffolk, so we're near the coast. And I did that job filling sandbags, and I woke up every morning, and I thought, I cannot bear the thought of going and doing that again. So then my, my work life, <laughs> my personal life, yeah. very, very separate. But now I do something I really enjoy. Like clients, if clients have to speak to me out of office hours, they always apologise, and I'm always like, you don't need to. I still care after office hours. I don't just stop and, like, you know, ignore you in the street if it's outside of office hours. But it probably is because I, I enjoy what I do. I say a lot of people do. Mm. Okay, that's an interesting perspective that I hadn't kind of really, really considered before. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> this is good. I'm not sort of accidentally getting free coaching from you here, Nick. No, but no, it's, no, no, no. It's, just, it's just a good conversation. Um, yeah, well, uh, you know, we're, just like you said, with your clients, you know, you're always happy to help outside of the working hours. I think as a coach, you, you're always a coach. Mm. You know, it's, 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 it's rude to coach people sometimes if they're not, if they don't want to be. Um, but, <laughs> but you can't help but well, Impose your coaching. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> my coach lives in New Zealand. And speaking to him this one, he was telling me where he's in a, a conference full of coaches. And 
as coaches, we tend to do that, ask questions. Mm. And this woman was asking him questions and he was saying, look, have, you, have I given you permission to coach me? <laughs> just tell me the answer. Because we want to get people to, to think for themselves instead mm. of just telling them the answer. But sometimes you do need to ask permission. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <coughs> okay, so do we, do we have any more notes? Um, do we have any more notes? I mean, this is no, this, this is completely off the cuff. Oh yeah, no, no, so to be to be fair, for anyone listening, Nick Nick isn't sat here with a massive flowchart or anything. He's just we we sort of have a kickoff point, and I think I'm trying to find a conclusion. I think we've kind of we've had lots of actionable things in here, lots of useful kind of paths to follow. Well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the key thing for me, if we're talking from a business perspective, is that clarity leads to power. Mm. And whether it's on your own or whether you've got a team, you need to have clarity on where you're heading. Uh, I think, I, you know, I like these little sayings, but there's another one which goes along the lines of, if you don't know where you're, you're going to be in five years, then you're already there. And okay. so it, it's, it's, that's why it's so important to have a goal and a plan of where you're heading. Um, you know, and if we're talking about from a, an employee perspective, we need to inspire them. And by setting a goal or a common goal for everybody and a vision for the business, mm. then we're going to inspire them. Even if we haven't got people working for us, we can inspire our suppliers and our customers by setting that vision for the business. You know, who, who doesn't want to be in, um, part of a business that wants to be the best? Mm. You know, that's a vision of its simplest form. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, well, we're going to be the best in East Anglia. We're going to be the best in the world, whatever it is. Even as a customer, you know, you're interested in that, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, I keep relating things back to myself, but it is partly because I'm sat in a room and I'm the only other person here. But kind of something I learned, I think it must be one of the growth clubs, about we're talking roughly about uh, business culture. And I think, I can't remember who, who it was, but somebody said, write it down. Write down what your business culture is. And I just thought, that's crazy. How am I going to possibly distill what I do into the bar. If you look on andrewlaws.com, I now have a culture statement about the business. Excellent. Which is fun, because a lot of people know me as Andrew Culture rather than Andrew Laws, which is my, which is my pen name. But <laughs> yeah, I now have a culture thing. And the first thing I did was got everyone who works with me to read it and say, look, is this just me? Is this just some crazy fantasy kind of perception that I've created here? Or is this actually fairly close? And the nice thing was, it wasn't a surprise Nothing on the cult, my culture statement was a surprise to anyone I work with, which I was super pleased about. <laughs> oh, that was really good. It's a great, it's a great exercise to do. Anyway, it's just, so it's an important exercise to do. Uh, is it Peter Drucker said that culture eats strategy? Peter Drucker, so who's Peter Drucker? Peter Drucker is a famous uh, um, management consultant. Okay. In, in, he's still alive in the US. He said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. You know, you could have a poor, if you, you have great strategy but poor culture in the business and it's not going to do as well as some as a business with average strategy but a fantastic culture mm. because you've got everybody working together in the right direction. It's one of those things, it's a bit of a red fiesta thing for me. Once I kind of realised that, I started to see it everywhere. I was um, listening to a podcast yesterday. It was about kind of the most successful companies you've never heard of. There's a company in Seattle, it doesn't really matter where, a 20 billion a year turnover. And all they do is they buy small companies, go in, they, the only thing they, they, the only thing, like it's flipping a switch, but they just go in and improve the culture. Right, yeah. That's it. They, they don't do anything else. They don't change the products. They don't change the people. They just basically fix the, <laughs> fix. 
sounds a really brutal way of putting it, but they kind of do. They, they go in and just say, look, let's just get everyone working together. Well, this is what... To Clive Woodward, arguably, this is what he did to get the English rugby team to win the World Cup and how he made the, the British Olympics or the, the British Olympics in 2012 such a success mm. because he did something which he called teamship uh, and basically getting everybody involved to take ownership of any part of what they had to do. Mm. So even if it was... What was something that they had in the in the English rugby team? It could just be something like oh, when they were reporting to to the newspaper, or when they were. Some of them had articles that they would write in the newspaper, and they took a and they had this issue where it was causing a problem for the morale. I hope I got this story right. <laughs> and they he put it to he is ultimate veto on the decision as the as the boss as, mm. the, as the head coach. He puts it to the team and says, this is a situation that we've got. What are you going to do about it? And they all vote on it. And they don't, they don't um, make a decision until everybody is 100% oh, agreed wow. with how they're going to move it forward. And when everybody's 100% agreed, generally, he would agree with them. He had the ultimate veto if he didn't mm. agree. But once they've got total agreement, they've got ownership. People own something that they've got a part in creating. Yeah. And when they've got that... And he did the similar sort of thing with the, the 2012 Olympics. There, imagine all these different sports. They've got their own different governing bodies. They're all wanting their own uh, agenda. He got them all to work together, which was a, a, an amazing thing. That's a hell of an achievement, isn't it? Yeah. Just, just, just through the culture, essentially. I just sort of... The more I... Yeah, it's a definite... I think I keep calling things the red fiesta moment just from something mentioned earlier. But just remembering all these things, like when England won the, the Rugby World Cup, whenever they're interviewed, they're always wearing suits. And at the time, it seemed like, it seemed odd, but they all had the suits by the same people, and it was almost like a subconscious, well, they're definitely a team. I've, I'm a musician, and I always have this thing that, um, I'm also a promoter, so I put on kind of gigs, but I've always had this thing of whether a band looks like a band, and it's not necessarily all wearing the same clothes or all having the same attitude. It's whether a band is a team. Mm. And I, I, can, I can play with a band, you know, in my own bands. If there's a band there that isn't obviously a band, they won't last. And it's exactly the same thing because you're, you're so connected. You're so viscerally connected just from having a common goal of not sounding terrible or, or sounding, sorry, <laughs> that sounds <laughs> negative. Well, that common goal is important. Uh, and in a business perspective, once we've got the vision and we've set the vision for the business, we want to be the best. You know, the, the common goal in a lot of businesses could be just to make lots of money. Is that really going to inspire everybody in the, in the, t you know, in the, in the business? Mm. It's not, you know, the, the average Joe on the shop floor is not going to be impressed by the, the owner having a great yacht. <laughs> so, what, so it's important in business to have a common goal that everybody can relate to and they can see how they're, how they're, they're doing. So Southwest Airlines, which were the, in America, which were the forerunners to Ryanair and, and EasyJet, they understood that while the plane is on the ground, they're not making money. Mm. So their common goal for everybody was to get the plane in the air. So whether you were sweeping up the, the litter outside the airport or whether you were flying the plane or whether you were 
loading the plane or whatever it was, you had the same common goal. Our common goal is to get the plane in the air. Mm. So whatever you're doing, you need to do it efficiently and well. And, 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 then, and that helped them make decisions on everything. So do we have this type of food was, was a choice. No, is it going to help us get the plane in the air quicker? Mm. Whatever it is they're thinking about, they have to think about the common goal. That's neat. I mean, again, I've seen the, uh, the sort of the common goal makes some quite massive changes in businesses. The sort of the building we're in, we we share it with a friend's business, and there's no one here today because it's a Friday, and it's because as a company, everyone decided to start work earlier every other day of the week, um, so they don't work on Fridays. And I, it's the second time I've seen it. There's another very big big company I've worked with for many years. And they had a company vote. Who'd like to start work an hour earlier each day? And you can all go home at two o'clock on Friday. Everyone just thought it was the wildest, most brilliant suggestion ever. The number of hours put in and the amount of productivity, I don't think it's massively changed, to be fair. It would be lovely if it's one of those stories where I could say everyone goes home early and they've doubled their productivity. But this made it a lot more cohesive as a team. And when new people come in and that's explained to them that we all decided to do this, oh, great. That's a good point. And I think I, I had talked to a business owner this week who mentioned about, you know, the potentially being four-day weeks. And mm. when we understand that people are productive for about two hours a day, really productive. <laughs> yes. And you think, well, how can I get the most from people and, and what do we need to do? And things like that could be the answer. Because, you know, I, my generation, our, our generation was probably just... You know, conventional wisdom is you've got to be in from eight till five or mm. nine till six or whatever it is, and you've got to be, you know, your nose on the grindstone every minute of the day. But that's not how it works. People aren't productive like that, I are they? I don't think anybody is. I've been sort of always, well, lately I've kind of been discussing with the people I work with about the difference between the creative mind and the logical mind. And for one thing, I don't think there is any difference at all but people who are more overtly creative and I, I put myself in that bag the idea of doing the same thing for the same length of time every day is slow death <laughs> you know it's it's just not realistic but I have noticed that if I set aside time we have a we on taking ownership there with the, the action coaching we have a, a concept called default diary um which actually Nick you're impinging on mine right now <laughs> no you're not you're not actually you're not at all the, the default diary thing I block off a certain amount of time each week several several portions of it throughout the week and during that time I will not work in the business I'll only work on the business so I don't do operative things I don't don't I mean, I'm not going to ignore the phone or anything but I don't if I was a bricklayer I'd stop building walls and I spend time building the business instead. And yeah, right now is my default diary hour. And this is working on the business because I'm doing something positive to put out there. What was my point starting that before I blamed you for impinging on my... I think you finished. I think I probably just ran out of steam there, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that just reminded me of a sketch in Monty Python where he's saying... What was I saying? I think you're finished. Oh, okay. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so Nick, so have you got anything else you'd like to mention before we wrap it up? I, I would just like to finish on uh, making SMART goals, and I'm sure well, anybody probably in the corporate world has come across SMART goals before, but I'll explain in case you haven't, which is where you make your goals specific, measurable, achievable, results-framed, and time-framed. Mm. So the, the reason for this is so that you know whether you've achieved it or not. Uh, and 
if we think about planning, yes, it's good to have a long-term plan and you need to have a five-year plan and a year-long plan. The most effective plan for a small business is to have a 90-day action plan mm -hmm. that you revisit every week. And it's important to have a smart goal for each of those so that you know whether you've achieved it or not. So, you know, some, for instance, if you set a goal for, I want to get some more customers, how do you know if you've achieved that or not? Mm. You know, is it, what, what, what number were you starting from? What number do you want to achieve? Yeah. When do you want to achieve it by? Um, you know, is it realistic? Is it, is it achievable? I'm going to sound like... like um I say I'm a natural cheerleader anyway, but I have my action plan in this drawer, right? I keep it close to hand. Excellent. I probably don't look at it as much as I should, but it's it's I've I found it really beneficial just to slam the brakes on and just think about those things because especially if you own a business or if you're you're high up in a business, you don't have anyone asking you those questions. No one does. You know, your family aren't gonna ask. Your friends are highly unlikely to be massively interested unless you're doing something I think is cool. <laughs> and that's the important thing about, well, for me personally, uh, in business, just as you said there, n not many other people are going to really care about your business. Mm. And perhaps you don't want to burden people about your business. But the reason why I'm a business coach is because I genuinely care about you and your business and that you do well and you get the results that you want to do. And that's why I'm a business coach. Great. So if people want to find out more about you and what you do, how can they find you? Well, on the web, bizarrely, www.actioncoach.co.uk forward slash Nick Gray. And I'm Nick, N-I-K, and Gray with an A. Brilliant. Okay, well, thanks for your time, Nick. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thanks for everyone listening. Please like, subscribe, share, and all that fun stuff. Um, I think we'll probably get Nick back. It's, I probably shouldn't say that while we're recording. He's probably sitting there thinking, oh, God, I'm not doing this again. Uh, hopefully not. Um, but if you've got a topic that you're interested in, I say not everything we cover is strictly internet marketing, but it's all in the same ken or you know, all in the same, all in the same field. So if you've got something specific you'd like us to cover, please get in touch through andrewlaws.com. So thanks again, Nick. I've been Andrew Laws. He's been Nick Gray. Thanks again for listening. Bye bye.